0: Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Good morning. How many of you know that Gateway Community Church is a pokey stop? I see some hands. Pokestop, Pokemon Go is a GPS-enabled augmented reality game that gets players out in the neighborhood to hunt down Pokemon, which I didn't know where the word Pokemon came from. Do any of you know? What is it? Pocket Monster. How many people knew that? Oh, yes. Some people knew that. I just learned it. Pokemon Go has now passed up Candy Crush as the biggest U.S. mobile game of all time. It's passed Twitter in daily users and Facebook in retention time. It has 11 million users on U.S. Android devices, according to SurveyMonkey. How's that? For those of you who are playing, someone I know has arranged for Gateway to put up a Lure module. Who knows what a Lure module is? Raise your hand if you, this gentleman in the back knows. Sir, how old are you? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you can tell me later, but I am curious. Um, after both services here today, I'm sure you know because of some child that you're helping to play this game. <laughs> so after both services here today, you can enjoy a lure module here at Gateway. If you know what that means, you'll be excited. Fun stuff like Pokemon Go is what summer is all about. Fun stuff like Pokemon Go, like beaches, like family trips, like snow cones, like s'mores, like brand new flavors of Bluebell. What's the new flavor's name? Two-step, what does it have in it? What is it? Cookie dough and cookies and cream. You can make it yourself at home, however. (laughs) And brown sugar, I haven't heard that. How many people have gotten it? One, there's one cart, two in the whole auditorium, there are two cart, three. How many people have tried to get it? More, we tried, we tried, we failed several times but we failed. We tried and we failed. In this life, you will have hard times. (laughs) You will seek and you will not find (laughs) at times. You will try to have fun and you will be disappointed. Summer will not always be what you wish it will be. But really and truly, wouldn't it be wonderful if life could be just the summer dream? if we could go around hunting fireflies and Pokemon, finding our favorite bluebell with no worries or problems all of our days, we will never know what that's like on this side of heaven. Because in this life, we have hard times mixed in with all the good and the fun times. That's just the way it is. Just this past week, the tragedies in france and turkey are simply overwhelming to consider and we're still reeling from the events in dallas and other parts of the country aren't we it's unbelievable to us and so close to home but i'm grateful that we as christians live with god's truths one of the great truths is that God is Jehovah Jireh God who sees he sees us in our trouble and in our great times he sees all of it we are not alone and he is the Lord who will provide Abraham gave this name to God in an extremely hard time in his life a time I cannot even imagine going through it is a time when God called Abraham, the first man we know, answering his call to move from one place to another. This tiny whisper in his head that said, Abraham, Abraham, I am your God. Why don't you move from this homeland you've known forever to this faraway place you don't know about? And so he did. He was obedient. And then he said, I will give you children. And he didn't have children till he was very, very old, and he finally had this one child named Isaac. And then this voice God said to him, Abraham, I want you to take this one son that I've given you, take him up on the mountaintop, and I want you to kill that son as a sacrifice to me. I cannot even imagine the agony of that time for Abraham. Not a fun time, to say the least. And Abraham was obedient incredibly. And he went up on the mountain with his knife and his wood and his son. And as he was about to plunge the knife into his son, God provided. He provided a ram. An angel came and said, Stop, Abraham. You are obedient. You are so obedient that God is going to use you in a mighty way. You have passed the test. And God has provided. Sacrifice this ram instead. And so Abraham named that mountain, Mount Moriah, the mountain where God provides. And he said, God is a God who provides in the toughest of times. This story deserves a lot more attention than we're going to give it at this time. But the point is, Abraham trusted and God provided. You and I have hard times too. We all have hard times. God's greatest desire in our hard times, in our good times, in our easy times, is that we lean on him all the time. But we tend to forget, don't we? We tend to glide along in the easy times, in the sweet times, and think, Boy, what a life I've made for myself. I don't really need to think about much except what I'm enjoying and how good I've made it for myself. I don't really need anybody or anything and look what I've done. I'm doing fine on my own. How blind we are. If it weren't for the grace of God though, we would be nowhere. There would be no air in our lungs. There would be no earth under our feet. There would be nothing sweet to make the sweet times sweet, but we forget. But fortunately, we do tend to turn to him when times turn bad, don't we? At least we remember him then pretty consistently. Even people who don't say they believe in God, when you ask them, when times get really, really bad, they'll say, oh God, help me now, won't they? Hard times give God a chance to remind us of his goodness, like Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Our family's being reminded of this right now. You may have received an email that my husband sent this week. Telling you that he recently had surgery just a week and a half ago, it was unexpected, of course. When is it ever expected that he had a big mass that showed up in his chest? That was scary at first, and then it wasn't scary because it was supposed to just be something to take out. Then we were disappointed because it wasn't just something to take out, it was something that had a little cancer in it. Well, then it wasn't too scary because it was just a little bitty bit of cancer. Well, then, in another day, it was kind of scary because it was kind of a lot of cancer. So then, in another day, it wasn't as scary because another doctor came in and gave us a plan of how to take care of the cancer. And it's a mild cancer, and it's a mild form of a mild cancer, and it's going to be okay. But it's been a hard time for our family. And he's recovering well from the surgery. In a few weeks, we'll start treatment for the cancer part of it. Even though I haven't always felt okay every minute, by faith, I know and our family knows that God is with us just like he is with you. It's not a matter of feeling. It's a matter of knowing. It's a matter of believing. It's a matter of having already been with God before something bad happened so that I already know it when I'm sent for a loop. He is the God who sees what we're going through and he is the God who provides. The prophet Elijah in the Old Testament was the first major prophet to come along and start trying to set these evil kings of Israel right. You know, Israel wanted a king. God said, you don't need a king. You're my people, I set you free from Egypt. Now you wandered in the wilderness and then finally you got straight enough to take over the land I wanted to give you, Israel. I'm your king. They said, no, no, we want an earthly king. So he gave them Saul and then he gave them David. And they had some good kings, but pretty soon, you know, as we humans are, we start going astray. And one of these bad, bad kings was Ahab. He was influenced by his wife, Jezebel. You've heard people say, oh, she's just a Jezebel. That means she's just not a very good girl. And she followed this god named Baal. And she influenced her husband Ahab to follow that god, too. And Ahab influenced all of God's people, the Israelites, to follow that God. And so God had to raise up the prophet Elijah to go to Ahab and say, Ahab, you bad king, you'd better quit worshiping Baal. You need to worship the one true God Almighty. And until you stop worshiping Baal and telling the people to, there's going to be a drought in the land, which will cause a famine, and it's going to last until you straighten up. And until you straighten up, I'm not going to give the word for rain to come. And then, you know what Elijah had to do? He had to turn around and run away real fast before Ahab came after him to kill him. That's how childish everybody was. They acted like they were all grown up, but they weren't. They were ridiculous, just like we are. So when Elijah ran away, God provided for him. He took care of him. But it wasn't much. He said, Elijah, you're going to have to go to this little creek this little river creek, and these birds, these ravens who were considered unclean, will come by and feed you. So the birds fed him. And then when the creek dried up, he said, now you're going to have to go to Zarephath, this little village. And a lady, a widow there, the the weakest of all the people, a widow, is going to feed you. So he went to the village, and he found the widow gathering sticks. And he said to the widow, God said you would feed me. Would you please get me a cup of water. And she went to get him a cup of water. And and then he said to her, "And and a bite of bread. And she said, oh, sir, you know, I just have a tiny bit of flour and a tiny bit of oil left. And I was about to go mix it up and cook it so that my son and I could have the last little bit of bread. And then we're just gonna lay down and die because this famine from the drought has just wiped us out. So God is providing, but there's not very much materially, is there? but he's providing, and he says to the widow, go and do what you said you'd do and give me the first bite of bread, and God will provide, and you won't run out until the rain comes. Well, she's obedient. She went and she did it anyway, even though it was the last little bit she had. She fed him a bite of bread, and then she and her son had some, and they ate some, and then later on, there was still a little tiny bit left And she made some more bread the next day and they ate a little bit and they lived another day and she kept on making bread out of that tiny little bit of flour and oil and they survived until the rain came. Isn't that amazing? God provided. God sees and God provides. She said to him, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar. How desperate she must have felt. Do you ever feel desperate like that? What's the temptation in those times? I feel desperate. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna panic. I'm just gonna run in circles. Nobody's gonna help me. I can't trust God. I'm gonna run out and do something crazy. Sometimes we're tempted. But God sees. God provides. Elijah said, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what I'm telling you God says to do. Some people say the Bible says, Don't be afraid 365 times. Well, that's a convenient number. It may be stretching it, it may be using phrases that say it exactly that way or not. In any case, it says it a lot. God doesn't want us to be afraid. He wants us to rest in the truth that he is the God who sees, he is the God who provides. It reminds me of the story from The Hiding Place. Have you read The Hiding Place, anybody in here? Or seen the movie? Okay, well then there is one wonderful hand back there and probably others. I, in fifth grade, I read that book like 10 times and then the movie came out. And it's a story that's true about a woman and her sister in World War II. Corey Ten Boom wrote the story, and when they, li- they lived in Holland in World War II, and when the Germans, the Nazis, started invading Holland, this family who lived above her father's watchmaking shop started taking in Jews who were having to go in hiding rather than be captured and taken off to concentration camps by the Nazis. It was an extremely risky thing to do, and these women, these sisters unmarried, were in their 50s. So they were stodgy, non dangerous women doing this extremely risky thing. Well, eventually they were caught and they were taken to a concentration camp. Corey and Betsy. Corey was very practical, Betsy was very spiritual. They were both very spiritual, but Betsy especially so. And she would pray for the prison guards and she would give thanks to God all the time in these horrible circumstances and she was a sickly person all her life. Corey felt like she had to take care of her very spiritual sister, who was also sickly, and Corey had somehow been able to carry with her into the concentration camp three things, an extra sweater, a Bible, and a jar of liquid vitamins. And as they went through the inspection line past the guards who made them strip down and care and have nothing on as they went past inspection she was able to take off her dress with those things wrapped up in it and put them in the pile the guard was distracted and she was able to walk over to the other side and pick it up and keep all those things with her as she went into their barracks and through the duration of their time at Ravensbrook they had those three things and they were able to have a bible study in a flea infested barracks where her sister ridiculously gave thanks for the fleas, which infuriated her sister. But later they found out because of the fleas, they were able to have the Bible study because the guards would not step foot inside that flea-infested barracks. And the vitamins that were in this dark bottle that they couldn't see the end of kept threatening to run out. And all these other prisoners were getting sick and wanted some of the vitamins and, and Corey would reluctantly let them have some. And they never ran out until someone stole some from the infirmary and gave her a new bottle. God is the God who sees. God is the God who provides. He may not change your circumstances, but he sees what you're going through. He gets you through it. These bad times are not necessarily as bad as we think. They turn us to him. That is what we need more than anything. God does things in unexpected ways. It may not be exactly what you want, may not be exactly what I want, but we must be watchful so that we notice these unexpected things. The Israelites were grumbling when God took them out of Egypt, helped them cross the Red Seas. You remember all the the plagues to get them away from Pharaoh and slavery, they crossed the Red Sea, and they got into the wilderness, and they immediately complained, what are we gonna eat? And God gave them something new, manna from heaven. And they said, what is this stuff? And manna actually means, what is this? But they ate it, God provided. They got tired of it, they got bored of eating this stuff every morning, but God gave them not what they wanted necessarily, but what they needed. There's a cartoon of a man who has, there's a picture of this little pebble that falls on his head. Donna Atta reminded me of this the other day. Pebble falls on his head and goes over and he's complaining, darn it, why do I have the worst luck in the world and this pebble just hurt my head? And in the next frame, you see a picture of God on the cliff holding this giant boulder and keeping it from falling on him. That's like the Israelites. They had been saved from a terrible, terrible fate and they're complaining about some tiny thing. That's you and me so often. We don't know what we've been saved from. So we are to give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. First Thessalonians 5.8. It's not always our first impulse, is it? And it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. Have you heard of the little boy who was kidnapped? At age 10, his name was Willie Myrick, and he began to sing in the back seat of this car where this man was driving him around. For three hours, he sang every praise, this praise song. And the man was so irritated with him, he finally dropped him off and kicked him out of the car. <laughs> so, why not give thanks in every circumstance? It certainly worked for him. It's a habit that may not feel like something we want to do, but give thanks until you feel like giving thanks because it is a command of God. He knows that we need to do it. It changes our perspective. It changes our mindset. It changes us from being negative people into being positive people. It changes the way we see things and helps us be watchful for the good things that he is doing instead of grumbling for what we're dissatisfied with. Instead of seeing the pebble, we see the boulder that he's holding back so we can be thankful and rejoice and be happy, grateful people who do good and see good in this world. I wrote a list of things after we left the hospital to be thankful for about Randy's medical situation. I'm not thankful for his diagnosis, but there are a lot of things I'm thankful for within the situation, things that are worthy of thanks, so much so that I feel unworthy of the riches of it all. There are so many good people, doing things they don't have to do. I had tears rolling down my cheeks as I wrote the list. I'm inadequate to express it and the time's too short, but my heart is full of the beauty of the blessings in the hidden places of it all. But if I hadn't stopped to write it down, I wouldn't have remembered them all in one place and they might have escaped me. Pokemon Go was one of the blessings. It came out right when we were in the hospital. William was with us, and after the last doctor would come by to visit, he and I would run out. He's getting his, he has his learner's permit. He would drive around, and we would stop and get Pokemon. After, um, and it was a wonder, do you know how wonderful it is to get outside of the hospital when you've been in the hospital for a while? I forgot, it's great. But just like searching out a Pokemon in a hidden place and exclaiming when you find it, God's blessings are worthy of seeking out with your whole heart, eyes wide open and giving thanks. God provides enough, so we must be prayerful. God knows the difference between what we want and what we need. What is the root of your deepest joy? Is it what God gives to you? Or is it what he is to you? Many so-called prosperity gospel preachers would have us think that it's the former. They'd have us think that it's what God gives to us, or rather what we can get in this world that gives us the deepest joy. But that is fatally misleading. It is asking too little of God. He wants so much more for you than houses and cars and good circumstances. Never stop praying. And that is so that you can have more of God, so that you can be more like Jesus, so that you can have the deepest, richest things, the things he really wants to provide for you. Paul understood this, and in Philippians, he wrote in chapter four, some of the most beautiful things about what God provides. He was writing to his dearest friends, the people in Philippi, who truly understood his heart the very best and whom he called his deepest friends. He said to them, and he wrote this from prison, from a prison cell. So this is not about prosperity. It's not about getting things in the world. He was writing from the dirt floor of a crude prison cell. He said, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation with plenty or with little. For I can do all things with Christ who gives me strength. That's what he's talking about in this verse. I can live with plenty or with little. I know how to do these things because Christ provides the ability for me to do this. This is God's provision for me. It's an inner strength. It's an inner ability. This is God's provision in the deepest, richest way. And the same God, he says in verse 19 of chapter 4, the same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes we take that to say, well, if you love God, he'll give you whatever you want. No. If you love God, you'll become more like him. You will want the things that God wants for you. The desires of your heart will match up with the desires of his heart. That's a beautiful thing. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. He longs to give you the best. But we don't even know what the best is because we're looking too shallow. We want so little. The little bitty things that this earth has to offer. He wants to give us the riches of heaven while we're still here on earth. Finally, God's ultimate provision is already available so we must be joyful boy it's kind of hard to be joyful in the midst of hard times sometimes it's not really natural it's counterintuitive but it's a gift of God and when we understand the beauty of what's really rich in life what the true gifts of God are then we are not focused on the earthly hard times so much and we can still be joyful about the riches of our spiritual, eternal life. So be truly glad in First Peter, it says, there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as a fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold, So when your faith remains strong enough, through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This life is such a short blip, in eternity. Shouldn't it be used well? Don't we wanna look back on it and think, yes, God helped me use it for what it was intended for, to grow faith, to love well, to love Him, to let him love through me. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Remember Abraham? What must it have taken for him? It would be harder for him to lay down his child's life than to lay down his own life. I suspect, I am sure, being a parent of this. Do you remember the police officers in Dallas? The story is told by one of the civilians who was shot. There were two of the 12 people shot were civilians. And one is a woman who was there with her children marching with the protesters. And she said, as she heard bullets ringing out, an officer who had just been hit by a bullet yelled to her and her son, run, there are shots being fired as he fell. And she ran and she felt a shot hit her leg and she fell on top of her child to protect him. Another officer fell on top of her and her son on purpose to protect them even though they had been protesting against him. And she said three more officers covered their feet and their head, the two of them, to protect them with their own bodies. And as she's interviewed on the news, she's crying, and she says, we're safe, but some of them are not. Some of them died. Their families are mourning them. No greater love than to lay down one's life. This kind of love can only come from Christ, can only come from God through Christ, to show us that there is something greater than what we are living right now. This is not the ultimate reality. There is something bigger than this. Something worth more than what we see. God knows. God sees. He came in the form of a human so that we would know that he knows, so that we would understand that he sees. He walked this dusty earth, so that we would know that he sweats along with us. He bleeds with us. He works and labors and cries and laughs along with us. He knows what it is to lose someone you love. He knows what it is to have heartbreak and heartache. He knows what it is to be at a party and have fun or to rejoice in the birth of a child. He knows what it is to be disappointed. He knows what it is to be bullied He knows what it feels like to be spit on and made fun of. He knows what it is to be hurt, to be disrespected. He knows what it is to give up your life for people who don't care, who don't love you, who don't want you, but to do it anyway. And he did it anyway so that we would know that he knows that he sees that we are not alone. And so that we would know that he would give everything so that we would also see that whatever we go through here is refining us and building in us riches far beyond the riches of this earth or the hardship of this earth, something beautiful. And that he will provide for us now Enough, it is enough, so that we can be grateful. We can be prayerful, we can be watchful, we can receive him. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. God knows, God sees, God provides for you and me. Let us pray. Father, it is hard for us to understand and receive what you want us to take in of you, but we ask that you expand our tiny hearts, our tiny minds, and that you fill us with a new understanding today, a new understanding of what it is that you want to do in us, that you fill us with the riches of your soul, of your Holy Spirit, Rush in like a mighty wind and expand us, Father, with the joys and the sorrows of this world. Use them, God, to give us a new realization of who you are and who you call us to be. Grow us into the likeness of your Son, that we may be more like him. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.